once again. Uh, good morning and welcome. If I happen to miss you earlier, my name is Wayne. I'm the pastor here at Downtown Community, and we are now, uh, we've been engaging in this series called Lose Yourself. And for me, and I guess you've been tracking with us, for me, losing myself means losing myself to Christ. And we've been talking about who Jesus is, and we're actually all longing for happiness, for fulfillment, and really everything around us and the natural desires of our hearts is to say, I'm the answer to this. And so that doesn't always lead us to peace. It doesn't always lead us to freedom. And so as Christ followers, we proclaim that Jesus is our Lord. He is the one that we have found. And he's, yeah, he impacts our daily lives and for how we live, and it helps us go along the best path. But it's way more than that. We live for his glory. We live for him. We give him glory. Our lives were made for him. And that is way, way different of a statement. So lose yourself. Everything around us is talking about this concept, right? Like this, you hear this, like empty yourself. Maybe you have a, a class that you go to and that's, that's talked about. You know, empty yourself. Get rid of, it's almost like a soul detox, if you will. And so you got to breathe in something else, fill yourself with something different. So I think it's interesting. Like we realize that there's something there that's in us that's not beneficial. And so we got to get it. So we're, we're aware of that. And so I think maybe more than any other time, like mysticism is very much embraced right now. And we're pursuing this and we're searching for something in us to fill. So lose yourself. So I believe, and I, with everything in me, that there is nothing better. And for, as a Christ follower, it is all about the person of Christ. This isn't about a concept or something that I do or some ritual, whatever it may be, for me to be okay or feel at peace or any of those things. No, for, it, is, it is all about the person of Christ. And so that's who we've been looking at. If he is the son of God, then what does he say? And, and, and so uh, we, and throughout the series, we've been looking at his words to us, his heart for us, what he said about himself and to us. And last week, we looked at why did Jesus have to die? And so we talked so much, if you've, if you've been with us in any kind of capacity, about, about we, we, we talk about his death, we celebrate his death and his resurrection. And his resurrection proves that he is the son of God. And if you should look into that, if you're on this journey towards him, but then it brings the question, why did he have to die? And so we talked about that in depth last week. And that's on our podcast. If you want to go back and listen to it, it's on our website. But we talked about how there's this problem of our sin, of our brokenness, that we've hurt one another. And a real God who's loving is a God of justice, the God of truth. Because, but it would be unloving to, for someone to do something to hurt us. And then God would be like, yeah, it's no big deal. Just don't do that again. No, God has promised us, and this is why we need a God like this, he, that, that no one will hurt you and get away with it. But the problem is we've done the same thing. And so we owe, we have a debt. There's a debt to this. And Jesus came to redeem us. He had to die in order for us to be, to be freed up. And not only that, he's come to restore us in his incredible love. But this is all, he's given us freedom. So we gave us freedom to choose him or to not. And, and all of us, we walked away from that love. We walked away from life because he is life. He is the life giver. He is love. love any kind of love that you feel or in the world it, it comes from him. And, and to walk away from that is to walk into death. 
And so he's also given us the freedom as we, it's a freedom to choose him. And so for me, that's what I have done with my life. And you were invited into, the, into this. And this is key. This is all about Christ. And we recognize that he is our God, that he is love. And he is also freedom. To choose him is to actually choose freedom. This is about his love for us. And so this is who I declare as my God, the reason that I live. I love him. He's everything to me. He's the reason I can boast in my weakness. He is my identity. Not my job, which is, just happens to be about him and the church, but it's, that's not my identity, not my marriage, not my kids. All those are gifts that he's given me that I live and love life with. They give me purpose, absolutely. But it's all about him. And it's interesting. So we keep saying, or I keep saying this word freedom, which is the opposite usually what we think about when it comes to any kind of religion, a belief. We don't usually associate that word. And I think that's really the whole point of this series. And that was one of the reasons why Jesus came is to kind of put religion in its place and to call it back to this relationship that God intended for it to be. And that's why I love reading through the words of Christ because he, 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 you know, he debunks all those types of things that we typically think of. And this whole time I've wanted you to see the heart of Christ. And understand more and more of his words to us. This is all about the original beauty that he created the world to be an experience. That we messed up, that we blew it, we brought in all this brokenness. And so, the, the wrongdoing that we've done, these relationships that we've broken around us and with God... This is a problem. No matter how much money you have or how little money you have, how easy your life, you, your life is, how much comfort that you experience or you have, or how bad you've been or how good you've been, your sin is a huge problem. You owe a debt. And so when we talk about freedom, it's not just a concept. It was purchased by a person. And you don't really realize it, but you are under a weight. You are under a weight that our brokenness has brought into our life. And this is why in scriptures and as, as Christ followers many times, we call it the weight of sin. <laughs> you feel it. It pulls you down. The scripture talks about this. In Hebrews 12, 1, it talks about all these people of faith that have come before us, and we want to just run this race. And so it talks about this. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And it's this image of just, it's just this weight that pulls us, and we want to strip that off and run towards life. And so this is why the Apostle Paul wrote these letters. In the beginning of the early church, as when Jesus rose from the grave, he ascended into heaven, and his plan was to use us to, for his purpose and his will to be done. And, 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 so, and so the early church took off exactly like Jesus said it would. And, and that whole thing is one of the reasons why we have so much faith and belief in the resurrection because of what happened with his early followers. It's just inexplainable, in, inexplicable, I should say. And so as this happened... Paul was someone who understood 
the power of Jesus' resurrection and what we call the gospel. And he just explained it and wrote these letters to these early churches. And he called and talked about it as being ruled by sin. Like sin is your ruler. And this is a huge statement. Huge statement for both Christ followers and those that, are, that don't believe in him or maybe they're seeking after him or coming back to him. So I want to introduce you to this incredible passage of Scripture. We find this in Romans 6. And, and Paul is just so brilliant in the way he talks about things, but he helps us understand this and how significant this is for you and I. And so we start here in Romans 6. He goes, since we have died to sin, so you know, Jesus came and his death has brought, we've died to the power of it. Says, since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? He says, or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died when we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, God the Father, now we also may live new lives. And so he's talking about this the, the, of baptism, this picture of baptism. And so when we follow Christ, one of the first steps that we, we take is this, this step of baptism that Christ, that God gave us. And it's this picture of what's taking place on the inside where we, we have this image of, of, of Jesus' death, his, his burial, and then his resurrection. And we have died to sin, like the power of that. We've been raised, washed clean with new life. And this is what's happened, taken place in, in us when we give our lives to Christ. And so he continues, since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. You are being giving like this new life, this spiritual rebirth is what this is. We've been redeemed. We've been restored. He says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Huge, huge to understand. We are no longer slaves to sin. This is all about freedom. He says, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this. Like, we know this. I love this. So the confidence. We, why? He goes, he goes, we are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. It's amazing. Like, you know, like these are people who, who saw it. Paul talked about this. He says, like in his letter to the First Corinthians, one of the earliest writings we have, it was, it was like 15 to 20 years after Jesus' resurrection. He talks about all these things that were happening. They were taking communion together and all these. And like, he's like, you can go. There's, there's like 500 people that saw Jesus resurrected, risen. You can go and interview them right now. It's incredible. He's like, we know this. We've seen him. He says, death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. And that's purpose. He says, so you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. 
And then he continues. He says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to, its, into sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. And so when we pursue Him and we pursue the things that He's given us to do, it's not to try to be okay and all these rules we got to follow that we're doing because we love Him. Because it's the, th- the very thing that's going to lead us to life. But if you're forced to do this, and if you think it's just like this list that you have to follow, it's just going to mess it all up. That's why last week we talked about how sin is relational. This is all about this relationship with God. Sin happens when we break that relationship with God and with people around us. We live for His glory. It brings us into this life. And then he ends this kind of phrase with this incredible statement. This is found in Romans 6.14. He says, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. This is huge. I don't know your background or history, but in, in, in church circles, we're not... You don't like to talk about the freedom of God's grace. Like, you can't be free. Like, like you got to do all these, th- like, it, it makes people uncomfortable sometimes. It, it's so funny, like, but that is what Paul is saying. So that last statement is one of those incredible things that Jesus has given us. So as Christ's followers, you no longer live under the law. Well, what are you under? You're under the freedom of God's grace. So if you are not, the implication is you're not a Christ follower, you are under the law. What in the world is that? Well, in essence, you live under the burden of sin. This brokenness rules you. And, and when God gave the law, we have the Ten Commandments and other things that were given in, in, in the beginning. And it was like, the only thing it does is really shows that we can't do it. And you can actually create your own, like you create your own definition of what is good because everybody around us has got something that they're like, this is what needs to be done for everybody to be okay. But even that, you can't even keep that up. You hurt people that you love. You do things that you wish you hadn't done. You live under the burden of sin. And this is a great irony because we, we've come and we say to God, I don't need God. We say, I don't answer to him. I answer to myself. I want freedom to do what I want. And the great irony is that's a total trap because whatever that is, whichever you decide, that ends up owning you. You will eventually be enslaved to whatever you define as your purpose, as your worth, as your happiness, because nothing will ever satisfy you like God can and does. Nothing will. It's proof that He exists. Your desire to have something as your identity. And to be able to, you can't live without that. I should point you to God. Something has to bring you meaning. You've got one shot. Don't miss your chance. <laughs> Don't blow it. Like we love that, right? Because it's like this purpose-filled thing. I want to be excellent. And, and I love that. We should. We should go after it. And the freedom of God's grace He's given us, we can live life well and live it to the full. That's what Jesus said. I've come that you may have life and live it to the full. And that inspires us. But man, there's a weight with that if it's just about you. 
That's interesting, isn't it? A Christ follower, don't think that this means you're off the hook. <laughs> For some reason we think, and I think this subconsciously as well, we think, well, if, if, if I'm a Christ follower, I, I should no longer struggle with sin, right? Paul said it's, it's dead to the power of it, so I shouldn't struggle with sin, right? Yeah, you've been freed up from the penalty of, of death and hell, and you've been called to eternity with God because of what Christ has done. Absolutely, yeah. But you still have the sinful nature. Paul called it like indwelling sin. And so our journey with Christ is part of that restoration. He's continually in his grace restoring us. And, and so your bad habits are still there. There's sins that you're prone to. They're still there. You're drawn to them. You, you're prone to anger or you're prone to lust or you're prone to anxiety or, or depression or addiction. So don't be shocked when you struggle with these. And we've heard ourselves and as Christ followers so many times trying to act all good, but we're, we're really weak. And what do you do when you're really struggling? Well, that's like Paul himself says this. This is interesting. This is in Romans 7. He's like, the trouble is not really with the law. He says, for it is spiritual and it's good. Like, we understand that we want to do good to other people. He says, the trouble is with me. He says, for I am all too human. He's got Ariana Grande playing on his, you know, like on his Spotify. He's like, I'm all too human. He says, I'm a slave to sin. Listen to this. He says, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right. But I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good because it shows that I want to do these things. It is good. So I'm not the, I am, this is key, I am not the one doing the wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. He says, and I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. <laughs> but if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And this is so huge. And the, all these things point us to Christ. Like there is something in you that like you, you feel it, you know, you can see it there. Because I have discovered this principle of life, that when I, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. He's like, I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is with war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. And then he says a statement that I've said, maybe you've said this before, he's like, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me? from this life that is dominated by sin and death. There's that weight, the weight of sin. It's like, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. I love that. Our, our answer is not a concept or a thing you do or some ritual or some group of prayers it is in a person we need Christ so you might say then okay well what's the point if you're a Christ follower and you're still like 
you have your sinful nature there. Like, why do you need Christ? Why would you? That's a great question. I love that. Love that question. Thanks for asking it. Thank you. Yeah, so it's a great question. Uh, Well, number one, and we'll put these up here for you, these three things, but Christ's resurrection was just really just the first part. But he saved us from the penalty of death. And this is enough on its own, just so you know. Like we've been, like somebody had to come and pay the debt that we owed. And we could not do that. He had to come and live this perfect sinless life. It's so important. It's such a key part. And why we celebrate him, but that's great. So that's a huge thing, all right, just right off the bat. But he promises, and his resurrection proves that this will happen, that he will come back again to fully restore us one day. But his plan wasn't just to do that. Like, he's still at work. He's calling us to himself. And he's using you and I to love this world and to show him God. This, we're part of that plan. So until then, he is doing this purposeful work in us. He sends his spirit. And he is changing you. This is a journey that he's called us to. And it's beautiful. You are saved By grace alone. It is by his love and his grace, this gift that he's given us. If we choose to accept it, you are saved by his grace alone. We're not saved because we change. But if we are saved, if we are his, we will change. It's just a natural result. His spirit working in you. You are no longer under the power of sin. You can walk away from it, and that's huge. He is restoring us to that beauty. You can walk away from the way to sin, but it is only in Christ that you can really actually do that. You can actually walk away from the power of sin. It is only in Christ that you have the the tools, the actual means to overcome sin. Let me explain. So without Christ, we're left to our, ourselves, our self-world right and life. So for many of us, and culture around us says, well, that's great. That's what I want. I want to live for me and for that only. But like I said earlier, there's a great irony that it leads you to anything but freedom. So let's go back to Romans 6.14, where it says, Sin is no longer your master, for you, are, you no longer live on the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Awesome. So like we said, it is a mistake to think as a Christian, you won't be bothered by sin. People say, well, a real Christian doesn't sin. Well, that's just a lie. That's, that's right. Like, nope, nope. But it's no longer your master. It no longer owns you. It no longer defines you. And that's huge. We are no longer under the reign of sin. So what does that mean? You no, longer have to, you no longer have to actually obey it. But it does mean that before you are Christ's follower, or if you are not his, or you know, maybe on the journey, sin did or does have mastery over you. And you don't have the resources to resist it. Why? Because you were, as Paul calls it, under the law. What does that mean? Well, it means that something besides Christ is your salvation. Something besides him is your identity. You're earning 
some type of salvation. So you, you say, like, if I work hard enough, then I will be this. Or if I make enough money, or if I'm beautiful enough, if I'm, you know, if I'm good looking enough and I have the right kind of body, whatever it may be, or you say, if, you know, if I'm a really good person, then God's going to like me. If I do this or if I do whatever that is for you, people are going to like me. I'll go to heaven. This is our pursuit. No, you are under the law. And as long as you are under that weight, there are certain sins, as we, like, we, we call it, certain things that you will never be able to resist. It will own you. It will be your master. So if your self-image or your career is the main thing that gives you significance or security, and suddenly you realize that if you don't lie or cheat or whatever, that you're not going to have a career if you, don't, if you don't do that, you'll lie. You'll do it. You might wrestle with it, but because if you, if you do not lie, if you don't do that to get ahead or to be okay, there will no longer be you. You'll have to lie. You have to, because this is who you are. You have to have a good career, because without that, your identity is gone. You are devastated. You won't think twice about that. There's no you left. There's no career. Maybe you, you see people, you're like, how in the world they make a decision like that? How could they do that? They had no choice. It's either that or themselves. They're gone. You are under the law. You're not free. There are certain sins, there are certain things that just it will have mastery over you. Not everything. And there's some things you don't, you don't bother about. Like you go, go to Atlantic City or whatever, you don't care. You could play, play whatever game, and you're like, all right, that was fun. But some of you can't get, you know, 100 miles from there. Like there's certain things that like, you can't watch certain shows or whatever it can be. Like you just like you can't go to a bar. Like whatever it is, there are certain things that you'll never be able to beat. And the only way that you might be able to walk away from that is to get another idol, something else. So you'd be like, okay, my new idol. I like to think of myself as an honest person. I'm much more honest and better than these corrupt people. So you might say, well, I'm going to tell the truth because even if it hurts my career. But then I can feel like, you know, I'm so much more noble and righteous and moral than these other creeps, whoever they are. And then, and then you've got to brag about it. You've got to let people know that you did this and, and, the, and the, in, you know, the, the injustice that was done against you. You've got to make sure they know your plight so you'll be praised for this, so you can be recognized as an honest person because that becomes your identity. And you're just finding a new way to be under the law. You just, you just have to exchange it. Something has to be there instead. And it causes all the dysfunction and everything. Is in, you know you're not honest and you feel deep inside that you can't keep that up and you do blow it. So you've got to hide it. And it's going to come out and you need something to comfort you. And you've got to you start making all these bad decisions. And you've got to hide the fact that you're not always like that. And it just disrupts you. And you are, you are being mastered and ruled 
enslaved by sin. And so the only way for those outside of Christ to find their idol is just to shift. You've got to shift one thing for another. And we just go and we do this. That's what we do. We change a religion. We change relationships or careers or cities or a type of exercise that we do. Or we go into debt for more comfort or something to affirm us. Or you know, we, we find an addiction or whatever it may be. And it's kind of like a living hell on earth. So we're not free. But this is the beauty of Christ. This is the beauty of Christ. He earned your freedom for you. Despite the, the fact that we walked away in the very first week, if you're with us, I talked about Jesus' story, this illustration he gave of the son who walked away from him. And despite all that he did to destroy this family, and, and he said to his father, I wish you were dead, and he blew his money that his father made, and the father, and he came back and is in humility and apologizing. Instead of giving what he deserved, he was restored fully as if nothing happened. Christ took that for us, what we deserve. So that's why we declare him Christ. This is his beauty. So Christ, Father, once you became a Christian in theory, in theory, not in a practice, but you'll never have to sin again because now Christ is your Savior. You're, you're no longer under the law. You're under grace. I no longer have to earn my salvation. My identity is in Him. I don't have to do that anymore. There's nothing you need besides Christ. He is all that you need. So whatever it is we chase, and we still chase it, right? But that's not our security. Christ is. And that's the beauty of this. And we really understand this. Theoretically, there's no sin you have to do. <laughs> but the reality is, for you and me, is that we still do that. So we've got to work it out. And that's why we need to be free under His grace, because otherwise we'd be constantly, constantly going back to Him and constantly in guilt and shame. And maybe you still live that way, but He's freed you up. There's no longer any condemnation. We can get up and go before Him every time, not because of our goodness or what we've done, but because of Him. He's earned it for us, and that's the beauty of Christ. You have a new identity. Sin no longer defines you. And that's why Paul was saying, it is my sinful nature. That is not me anymore. That's not me. It's not me. It's my sinful nature. And Christ is the one who's given us the tools to begin to walk away from that. Only when Christ is your salvation, only when he is your identity, all sins, all brokenness become resistible. And so when I fall into these things, when I do the things that are so broken and weak, and I do it, I do it. As a pastor, I'm teaching this, right? I do it. I, I, there are times where I feel so weak that I literally, like Paul said, I don't want to do what is good. I feel it. There's this amazing old hymn. 
And there's this line, and I remember as a kid singing it, and it all these, it's called Come Thou Fount of Everblade. Just the title's like, what are we singing? Uh, but there's this line in it, and it says, prone to wonder, God, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And we're like, how miserable am I? And I feel these words of accusation. How could you as a pastor be that way? You don't want to pray right now or read or... And I feel the weight of it. And, and God has freed me up for that. And, I, and that's why it says, Paul says, in my weakness, he is strong. I am his righteousness restored. And I get up. He's not standing behind me condemning me. He's saying, get up because I've what I've done for you. Stand on my righteousness. It's beautiful. And it's only when we know this and we realize this and recognize this that allows us to really walk away from the, the power of sin. So the key is to know and to remember. So Christ's follower here today, it, it, there are many times that we are devastated when we blow it. We just be reminded, say, that's not who I am. And we go to him. I don't need to be earning my salvation. I'm already secure in him. I'm his love today in my weakness. He longs to go into that part of our lives when we're at our lowest, at our, at our worst of ourselves. That's where he longs to live. He's not afraid of that. We can say, I am absolutely righteous. And then what this does is it weakens the idols. And it makes all the things we do that flows from that, your desire to, be, to have power, your desire for, for comfort, I want comfort, right? And so all these things that I do that I think will make me okay, all the, they begin to look less and less attractive, and Christ begins to be my identity. And this is the freedom of God's grace. We need to be freed up. My weakness no longer defines me. If I lose my job, I'm learning to let go of these idols. And God in His grace is doing this over and, and over and over in time. So when our attendance is super low on Sunday or the giving is down or whenever, like whatever things for me that could, I could find an identity is like, no. Now I'm secure in you and I just follow you. It's great. And I just served Him. And I serve with a great freedom and a greater excellence. It's amazing. So we go to him in his grace and his mercy and forgiveness. That's freedom. And so that, that's the only kind of change that can only happen when Jesus is your Lord. And so we talked about that. Is, is God, do you answer to God? The, the question is not, do you believe in God? You might believe that there is a God. But is he your Lord? Do you answer to him? And really the question that I want to end this series with today is, are you free? Are you really free? Are you ready to give your life to Him? Maybe you're on that journey. We talked about the, the steps of following. We start with listening and we take steps towards it. But are, are you free? Are you tired of being under the rule of sin? Christ follower. Have you allowed 
your life just to be, your heart to be full of these weeds, you're still his. Are you anxious, stressed? Are you tired? Are you weak? Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. That's his words to you. He says, and I will give you rest. Are you free? It's time to lose yourself. Come back to the one who made you for his beauty. How do we do that? Well, we follow him just like the son, and the, the prodigal son. We confess. We admit who we are. We receive his forgiveness. We believe that he's the son of God. And we say, I'm yours. Be my God. Be my Lord. And then we follow. We, we give him our lives. We take the step of baptism because it's the first thing that Jesus has asked us to do. We begin to follow him in obedience. Not because we're trying to earn it. No, no, he's, he's done it for us, right? Because we love him and we're taking steps towards life and we trust him. If you want to know more about this, I'd love to meet with you today. We have what we call as our follow class. I'd love to talk more about that. You can just click, click on the back of your connection card, what it means to follow Christ. We'd love to. Our leadership team would love to connect with you today. Come find us. Come take this step. We'd love for you to do this. Are you free? Are you following? Let's continue to take steps towards him. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. We thank you for this message of grace. God, this is a lot to think about and a lot to hear. And so we just need to hear this over and over and over again. That we are no longer under the weight of sin. You will be, have been freed up. And I pray that we would experience the beauty of you. That we would chase you as our answer. Not a thing, not a concept, but you, that you would reign in us. That anxiety would not reign, that you would reign. Father, we declare today that we need you. We are not as strong as we think we are, but you are. And you long to reign in our weakness. We declare that this morning. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.